Well, today our message is on, Buddy's bringing us a message on rebuilding our finances. And Friday when we were going through our meeting, we kind of went through these little things that he mentions. And uh, you can kind of tell, where am I at in my finances? So he's going to be talking to us about that. And do you guys, have you seen that commercial on TV, that Lincoln commercial with Matthew McConaughey? Some of you have seen it. Well, watch this. My buddy owes me some money. And it's kind of awkward when he's around. Very unpleasant. You know, it's, it's not a lot of money, but it's just the principle of the matter. Is this about the $5 owe you, Dad? Well, maybe. Now that you mentioned it, you know, the Bible tells us that when in Rome, you pay your daddy that five bucks you owe him. Can you show me where that is in the Bible? Well, of course I could, but uh, I'm driving. Can you break a hundred? Well, I could if you gave me that five bucks you owe me. Glad you're here this morning. Welcome to church. Are you as glad to be here as I am to be here? Yeah. yeah all right. Good. Way to go, Brad. I'm glad you're glad. I'm glad. Brad, you're a Redskin fan, huh? Wow. I'm a Browns fan now. Uh, <laughs> hey, Cleveland did it, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into sports this year. I'm going to love Jesus and not sports. Uh, as many of you know, uh, earlier this year, Gay and I. Uh, uh, made a commitment to you, to the church, that we're going to spend uh, time over the next couple of years uh, rebuilding some things here at Salem Fields Community Church. And uh, in March, we received uh, $1.1 million in financial commitments and pledges, and we appreciate that, and God is really uh, using that to help us rebuild our student ministry. You know, there are some things that we have done that's helped them and enhance their outreach, and uh, we're planning to do much more there. We've started to rebuild our infrastructure, and you can see that we got those air conditionings started to go in, and uh, one day it'll be nice and cool in here, and you'll say, thank you that we rebuilt our infrastructure. And we've also begun to rebuild a church in Smithville. Now, that uh, is the inside part of the building. It's been completely redone. A mission team went down and completely redone the inside of the church and cleaned it up. And we had our first community meeting there and had um, several people there that signed up and are on board. And we're just praying that God will continue to provide the resources there so that we can uh, rebuild that ministry there in the community the way that God wants it to be rebuilt. And many of you committed to that. If you'd still, we still certainly uh, would love to have you commit to that if you'd like to know more about that. Uh, if you'll just email info at Salem Fields, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. But you know, behind the scenes, we're working on a lot of things here that you probably uh, won't, uh, won't show up, but one of the things we're working to rebuild is our worship experience here at Salem Fields. We've also talked, uh, last uh, six weeks, we talked about rebuilding families and rebuilding families here in our church, and as we rebuild families in our church, we'll rebuild families in our community in Smithfield and around the world. And we're going to continue to rebuild our spiritual lives over the next couple of years. Today, we're looking at uh, rebuilding our personal finances. And we're doing all that 
uh, rebuilding so that we can uh, once again uh, put our focus on reaching those who don't know Christ. But today we're going to talk about rebuilding our personal finances. Why are we going to do that? Because money is a huge part of our lives. And uh, to illustrate that, I found a story about a man named Stumpy. And Stumpy realize, or, uh, illustrates the effect that money has on our lives. Stumpy and his wife, Martha, they went to the state fair every year. And every year, uh, Stumpy, when Stumpy saw the uh, antique biplane, he would say to Martha, Martha, I, I just, uh, I'd like to ride in that airplane. And every year, Martha would say the same thing. She said, I know Stumpy, but that airplane costs $10 to ride, and $10 is $10. One year, Stumpy and Martha went to the fair, and Stumpy said, Martha, here it is. I'm 81 years old, and if I don't ride that plane now, I'm probably never going to get to ride it. And of course, uh, Martha, she said, Stumpy, that airplane costs $10 to ride, and $10 is $10. And the pilot uh, overheard them, and he said to him, he said, listen, folks, he said, I will take you for a ride, both up for a ride in the airplane, and if you can stay quiet, don't say a word, for the entire ride, I won't charge you. But if you say one word, it's going to cost you both $10. And Stumpy and Martha, they agreed. They said, yep, we'll, we'll do that. And they went up, and the Pilot did all kinds of twists and turns and rolls and dives, and, and, but not, you couldn't hear a word out of Stumpy and Martha. And he did all the tricks over and over again, but still not a word. And so he finally landed the plane, and he turned, and he looked at old Stumpy, and he said, uh, by golly, I did everything I could think of to get you to say something. And Stumpy replied, he said, well... I was going to say something when Martha fell out of the plane, but $10 is $10. <laughs> you know, my, my, my money causes all kinds of problems in our lives, in our marriages, and in our homes. <laughs> As you know, we live in a culture based on instant gratification. You know, we live in a culture that's buy now and pay later. And of course, this, uh, this causes, uh, creates enormous problems in our families and in our individual lives. I don't know if you know it or not, but consumer debt in America now stands at $2.5 trillion. Now, that's not what the government owes. That's what you and I owe. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's clear that there are probably some people here today who are struggling with their finances. We're struggling with their money and maybe you need some help in rebuilding your personal finances. And there's no greater place to turn when we need financial help or we need any help in our personal lives than to turn to the Word of God. And that's what we're going to do today. The late Dr. Larry Burkett, president and founder of Crown Financial Ministry, says, he says that nearly 80% of all divorces uh, uh, between the ages of 20 and 30 is because of financial problems. It's financial issues that cause them to separate. So not only I hope today will we learn to rebuild our personal finances, but I hope in the meantime, maybe it will help you rebuild your marriage. Maybe you're struggling and it's causing problems in your marriage, and we're just hopeful that it will help you rebuild your marriage or your uh, finances. Now, the word debt in the 
Roger Thesaurus lists three synonyms for debt. To, and it means this. It says this, to owe, to be obligated, liable, in deficit, in default, insolvent, encumbered, in over one's head, tied up, out of pocket, in arrears, indigent, destitute, penniless, needy, uh, lacking, distressed, in difficulty, a deadbeat, having a wolf at your door, living hand to mouth, beggary, emptied, having seen better days, gone to the dogs, <laughs> racked and ruined and impoverished, bad off, hard up, beaten down, reduced to ruin, fleece, stripped, bereft, bereaved, reduced, unable to make ends meet, embarrassed, broke, and busted. Woo! That describes debt. And that's what debt does in our life. And we are $2.3 trillion in debt in America. So today I want to give you a little test. It's just a simple little test that maybe will help you see uh, if you need, definitely need to have your finances rebuilt. Now if you say yes to any of these, it's mo uh, more than likely that you need to rebuild your finances. The first one is this, living on credit instead of paying cash. Living on credit instead of paying cash. Pull out the card because you can't afford the cash. You can't afford, you know. Uh, people go to the grocery store, can't afford cash, so they put it on their credit card. Delaying payments or paying only the minimum due. That's another one. Unable to tithe or to save. Unable to pay your income taxes. Extravagant spending. And we were talking about that in the uh, uh, meeting on Friday, and uh, Diego called that uh, buying dumb stuff. Extravagant spending is uh, uh, buying dumb stuff, spending money on dumb spending, looking for get-rich-quick ideas. And there's all kinds of those in our society today. Now, if you say yes to any of those because you think uh, uh, it will help you understand that maybe there's, uh, there is a need in my life to rebuild my finances. Money or lack of money affects and creates problems in nearly every area of our lives. But there's an amazing, incredible, all-encompassing promise in Philippians 4.19 that I just love and I want us to read it together this morning right now. Uh, it's from Philippians 4.19. It says, God, ready? God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I think that's such a great promise. We all read it again. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to read it one more time, but I want you to change your to my, okay? Ready? God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The reason I say that is sometimes when we see the word, uh, we see the word your or we read a passage of scripture, we don't personalize that. But that's a personal scripture, that if God will meet all of your needs. It's a credible promise that God has promised to meet all of our needs. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher, and I'm not talking prosperity this morning. I'm talking about needs. God says, I will meet all of your needs. And it goes way beyond financial needs, but today we're having to be talking about financial needs. Now, if you look at that scripture, what two words does it begin with? God will. Some of you got that. God will. What will God do? Meet all of your needs. God will meet all of your needs. Now, that's an incredible promise. God will meet 
all of your needs. How many of you today believe the Bible's true? Just slip up your hand and say, yep, you know, I kind of believe the Bible's true. All right, good. Some of you do, some of you maybe you don't, some of you don't raise your hand, some of you don't care. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so if you that raised your hand and you really sincerely believe the Bible's true, then if, if it's true, then it must be true that God will meet all of your needs. If the Bible's true, then it must be true that God will meet all of your needs. Now, now does it say that he might, might meet all of your needs? Does it say that? No, that's an easy word. Does it say he might meet all your needs? No, okay, good. It, it says that God will meet all of my needs. Does it say he might meet your needs? No, he will meet your needs. Does it say he will meet some of your needs? No. So if the Bible's true, if God doesn't meet all of my needs, then we'd have to say he's a liar, right? And, and what we believe is not true. And, and, if, and if that's not true, you can't believe anything else the Bible says. If that passage of Scripture is not true, you say, why, why, are you, uh, why are you harping on that? Because so many people don't believe that. How do I know that? Because we don't trust that. We don't live like we believe that. And we'll talk more about that. You see, I'm trying not to get all wound up too early here because I, <laughs> this message is getting, I'm going to have a heart attack right up here one of these days. Anyway, Make sure y'all take care of my family when I do, okay? And I want to tell you something else. That funeral home over there, uh, Mullins, they owe me uh, a free funeral, as many funerals as I've done over there, okay? So y'all hold them to it. Uh, when they come drag me out and say, hey, don't forget you owe him a, few, a free funeral, David. Anyway, uh, <laughs> So the Bible doesn't say that God will meet some of my needs. It says he will meet all of my needs, right? And if God lies about that, then he is staking his character on the fact that when he says it, he will do it. If he doesn't do it, then his character is not good at all. It says that he will meet all of my needs. So what does all include? Everything. It includes all. It includes all of my needs, which includes my house payment. Do I need a house? Do I need a place to live? Yeah, God will provide a house payment. God will provide rent. God will provide a house for you. If God says he'll meet all of our needs, then he will meet the needs that our kids have. If our kids have needs financially, God will meet those needs. My, he, he, God will meet my need because electricity. We need electricity, right? We need water. We need clothing. And, and we need food and we need transportation, and that includes all those. God will meet all of my needs. Now, it says that God will meet all of my needs. And as I said before, he will meet all of your needs, but he will not meet all of your greeds. He will not meet all of your greeds. And there's a huge difference between my needs and my greeds. You know, as a parent, now, how many parents here today give their kids everything they want? I hope not. Because you're spoiling them. You know, you don't... I, you know, but, but I guarantee you every parent here does their best to give their kids everything they need. You see, God is not going to give me everything I want. But I can promise you that God is going to give us everything we need. Why does God not give us everything we want? Because he loves us. And he knows that everything we want is not good for us, but God loves us so much that he promised that he would give us all that we need. 
He would give us all we need. Why does he do that? Because he loves me. And he loves you. And I got to tell you today, folks, God loves you. You matter to him. God is crazy in love with you. And he will meet all of your needs. He will give us what we need. And he will do that according to his riches and glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You see, that means that God will meet all of our needs based on his riches and not my riches or your riches. You see, and I praise the Lord for that. You see, it's based completely on what God has. It's based on the fact that, that God has, owns everything, and he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and so he will never run out of resources to meet our needs. Now, if you look at this verse closely, it doesn't say he will meet everybody's needs. It doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that he'll meet everybody's needs. It says he will meet the needs of those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that he will meet the needs of those who are believers in Jesus Christ. It means he will meet the needs of those who are in relationship with him, who have given their life, have asked him uh, to forgive them their sins and invite them into their life as their savior. So, so this promise is only for believers. And so, so if you're not in relationship with Jesus, you're kind of like out of luck on this promise. Because this promise is for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, he's not, prom he's not promised to meet your needs if you're not in relationship to him. So, that leaves you, and, and some people even ask me this. They'll say to me, well, buddy, I'm a believer. And you're, maybe you're sitting there today and you say, I'm a believer. Uh, I believe, and you ask yourself, if that promise is true and I'm a believer, why do I still have financial needs? You know, I, I've had people come to me. I know they're Christians, and, and, I, and they've come to our church, and, and they've needed financial help, and, and, and we do our best to do that. And, and, uh, but why, don't, why aren't your needs being met than if you're a believer? Does God lie? Or does he just brag about it and say, yeah, I'll meet all your needs, but really doesn't come through? You see, with every promise of God, there is a principle. There's a principle. What does that mean? There's a condition. That, 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 that I must meet. In other words, with God's promise, there's my part and there's God's part. There's my part that I do, and God says, if I do that, he'll do this. In other words, what God says, you go first. You know, and, that, and, and what, we want to, what we want to do is we say, God, you go first and then I will. And that's not faith. God says, you go first and I will meet all of your needs. And so, so the, God says go first, and the Bible gives God's financial principles that we must do or meet before God will meet all of our needs. So, so if you're a believer and you still have financial need in your life, there's probably a condition that you've not met. There's probably a condition. The Bible says that if we follow the, the principles that God has laid out in his, words, his word, then God will guarantee you that he will rebuild your finances. It's a guarantee. I stake the word of God on that and tell you it's a guarantee that God will rebuild your finances and meet your financial needs. You see, God is guaranteeing you that if you rebuild your finances on these five principles, you will never, ever, ever again have to worry about money, guaranteed, guaranteed. I can tell you it's true. I've had plenty and I've had little since I've been a Christian. 
Gay and I, second or third week, after we gave our life to Christ, we went to the church and the, and the pastor said, all good Christians tithe. And I wanted to be a good Christian. I don't know what that is today, but a good Christian. And so we began to tithe. And I can tell you, we have never in our marriage, we have had lots of things that we have fought over. We have had lots of problems in our marriage. There have been times that I thought we would never make it in our marriage, but there's never been a time that I ever thought we wouldn't make it financially. And that's a gospel truth, and that's not bragging on me. That's bragging on God and telling you the truth, that God will meet all of our needs when we follow his principles. The Bible says follow them. So where else can you find a guarantee like that? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge promise, but it's exactly what God promised. So here you go. Get off that. I'm going to get on to this. So five principles. Number one, ask God for help. Wow. That's simple. Ask God for help. Principle number one, ask God for help. Before you ask the bank, before you ask the credit card company, before you get a lower interest credit card and transfer all of your debt to a lower interest credit card, before you go down to Title Max and give them the title to your car that you're making payments on that you really can't afford, ask God. God, Meet my needs. God, I need help in my finances. And you say, well, buddy, a lot of that's my own fault. Well, God doesn't care about that. What God cares about is where you're at today. God doesn't hold us accountable for our mistakes. God holds us accountable for what we know. If you made a dumb decision, it doesn't matter to God. God wants you to ask him. God, I've made these decisions. I've bought some things that I couldn't afford. I've done this, I've done that. God, I need your help. God, I've lost my job. I need your help. Jesus said, ask and I will give it to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And if you'd like God to meet your financial needs, start asking him to meet your financial needs. I mean, really, you have a financial need and what's the first thing we do? We run to this or we run to that, but we never run to God because we think God doesn't love us enough to care about our financial needs. But I gotta tell you, there's not a detail in your life and in my life that God doesn't care about. He cares about us. He cares about you. And so before you charge it or finance it, ask God for it. Give God a chance to provide for you before you go out and make a mistake and charge it or do this or that just because of desperation. You see, I, honestly, I see more people depend on MasterCard than I do on, and, and on Visa than I do on Jesus. And Jesus simply said, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Guaranteed promise right there. Guaranteed promise. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. If you will ask, you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Another one of God's guarantees. Why, doesn't God, why does God want us to ask? So he can give. You see, God's a giver. The Bible says, for God so loved that he gave. Why does God want to give to us? So our joy will be complete. Well, why does he want my joy complete? So that other people will see the joy that we have in serving the Lord and they will be drawn to wanting to know God. And they'll see Christians that actually have joy, that actually live differently and trust God in situations and put their hope in him and still have joy when the whole world's falling apart. We still have joy. Another principle to rebuild your finances is to be content with what you have. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Now, how many of you remember when you were born? How many of you, anybody? I kind of remember uh, when I was born. <laughs> but you know, really, just kidding. But we were born, we came, in, we came in the world with nothing, right? I mean, I know Jody did. I was in there. Woo! That's quite something to be in there. And Jody came in the world, she didn't have nothing. And her parents didn't either at that time. But <laughs> she born, and when, when you were born, you came in the world with nothing. You didn't have a new car. You didn't have a, you didn't have a bank account. You didn't have, any, uh, you didn't have a house. You didn't have any brand diapers, you know? You came in with no diapers. And I'll tell you right now, I've done a lot of funerals. When you die, you're going out of here with nothing because you can't take it with you. I've never seen a U-Haul backed up to a cemetery grave spot, ever. You see, so it seems only reasonable that we learn to be content with what we have. Contentment, folks, means that we're happy and we have joy and it's not dependent on my circumstances, on what I have or don't own. You see, God says, learn to be content. Paul says, I've learned to be content, whether I have much or if I have little. I've learned to be content. And we need to learn to be content with what we have and not always looking over and say, I gotta have that. I think that is the biggest problem that we have in America with debt today, that iPhone's gonna come out in the next few months and they're gonna come out with an iPhone and you're gonna have to have that new iPhone because it takes just a little better picture and it's just a little bit better than the one you got in your pocket and the one you got in your pocket's absolutely fine. But they've convinced us, the culture has convinced us that you have gotta have this because it's the best. You got to have that new Samsung because, by golly, it's better than the iPhone. You know, and, and we are convinced, and we've got to learn to be content with what we got in the driveway and not feel like we got to go out and get something new in the driveway because somebody tells us, a commercial tells us, we got to have it. You know, and, and God has promised to meet our needs, and we need to learn to be content. You might have needs, and you might say, well, I'm not going to, uh, you want steak and not hot dogs. And God provides hot dogs. We got to learn to be content with hot dogs. But I'll give you a little lesson on hot dogs. Don't use Smithfield hot dogs. We've been to Smithfield, and we bought Smithfield hot dogs for the elementary school. Right, Jackie? You were there, and you cooked those stinking things. And <laughs> they cooked them in big pots in the church. You walk in there, I thought, I eat those things. And I love hot dogs. And when I was school, we fed them. Kids loved them, thank God. But they didn't wash the pans, and they put the pans in the back of my car. Yes, Jackie, you were responsible. <laughs> and that, my car stunk like I've never smelled. And I looked in my rearview mirror driving home from Smithfield, and the dogs were chasing me. Every dog in Smithfield was following my car. <laughs> That's a lie. It's just. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying to you, if, God, if you want a good car and you want a good Chevrolet and you have to drive a lousy Ford, then drive that lousy Ford. You know? Whatever God provides, be content with it. The next important principle is to give in faith. Did you know that there's a universal law called the principle of sowing and reaping? You know that? So what that means is you, you reap what you sow. You've heard that, right? My mom used to say that to me when I was a kid. You reap what you sow. You run with the dogs, you're going to be like a dog. And I said, yep, I am. Um, so if, if you sow kindness, what you going to get? Kindness. If you sow negativity, what you going to get? Right, if you sow generosity, what are you gonna get? Generosity. You reap, we reap what we sow. Every farmer knows that. If a farmer has two bags of seed in his barn and it sets in his barn and he looks out in his field and says, I don't have any corn. 
we hadn't planted any seed. But every farmer knows if you want corn, you got to plant corn. If you want a crop, you plant a crop. And when a farmer plants two bushel of seeds, he gets back many bushels of corn. And if that farmer doesn't plant that seed, he has no right to look out into the field and whine and complain, I don't have any corn, if he didn't plant a seed. And same goes for you and I. When we have a need, we plant a seed. I can remember a few years back as a church, we were, we were just struggling with this million dollars that we needed. We needed a million dollars. And we didn't have a million dollars. We don't have a million dollars a day, I promise you. Um, but... We decided as a board, I'll never forget that meeting, we voted unanimously as a board that we had a $100,000 need and we were going to tithe in advance. You ever thought about that? Have a need, so we're going to tithe in advance. We gave away in our community $100,000 in our community because we had a need. And we had a need of a million dollars. And every day, this dummy walked down to the mailbox every day. Going to go down, going down, get that check. At least I had faith. I'm going down, get that check. Every day I came back, well, no check. Go back the next day, go get that check. Never got that check, but never got the check. Well, let me tell you something. Our, our building payment was reduced $20,000 a month for 20 years. Figure that out. Okay? I'm just telling you, if you have a need, you plant a seed. It doesn't make sense. That didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if you don't have any money to tithe 10% of what you don't have. It doesn't make sense, but I got to tell you, I have served God for 30 odd years, and I can tell you there's a lot of things that don't make sense about God, but God says to us, my ways are not your ways, and we will never understand God. All we can do is be obedient to what God asks us to do, and I'm not just pointing at you. I don't even mean to be pointing. That's why we must give in faith. Another promise, honor the Lord, 100% guarantee with your wealth and, his, and the first fruits from all of your crops, then your barns will be full. Now this is the rebuild principle of tithing. It's the principle that says every time I make $10, the first $100, or every time I make $100, the first $10 goes back to God. Tithing is an act of worship. When we, those buckets pass you, what we're doing is worshiping God. And when you put your tithe in that bucket, what you're acknowledging is, God, I realize that everything I own today comes from you. Everything. You might not believe that, but everything you own today comes from God. And when you're giving back to God, you're saying, God, that I trust you with my whole life. And the Bible says, if I put God first in my life, then my barns will overflow. People tell me all the time they can't afford to tithe, and I'm going to be telling you right now, the truth is you, can afford, you cannot afford not to tithe. This is if you really want God's blessing. And the Bible says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And that's the only time in the Bible it says trust me when it comes to the tithe. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Here's what God says. You bring the tithe, into the storehouse, and he says, and if you do that, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Can you imagine the floodgates of heaven? All of God's blessings in heaven, and God would open the floodgates and pour on us more blessing than you and I can even imagine to handle. We can't handle all that God has for us. And I'm not just talking financially. Maybe you got a kid that's in trouble. Maybe, just maybe, that God will bless you and pour out your, his spirit on you. It's not always about giving. 
He says that uh, I will, or about getting money back in return. He says, I will pour up the floodgates of heaven as so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Love this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And you're probably saying, well, I don't have any crops. But I got to tell you, you got an old 20-year-old wash machine, right? And maybe God, maybe just maybe, God will keep that thing running for another 10 years. Maybe you got a refrigerator that's ready to go out. Well, maybe God will allow that refrigerator to run another 10 years. You know, maybe that old car, rather go 200,000 miles, maybe it'll go 300,000 miles. But he says he will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now is give you the opportunity to test God and take a risk if you're not already given in faith. In your program, there's a little card like this, okay? Would you all humor me and just act like you're looking for it? And if you really want to make me feel good, just take it out whether you use it or not, okay? It says this, a 90-day tithe challenge. I would like to rebuild my finances by accepting the 90-day uh, Salem Fields 90-day tithe challenge. I agree from this date below, my household will contribute to God through Salem Fields a tithe equal to 10% of my income. At the end of the 90-day period, if I do not believe that God will bless my life as a result of my obedience to Malachi 3.10, then I can request a refund for the full amount of my contributions during that 90-day period. I also understand that because Salem Fields will use that offering this week, that you may have to wait 30 days for your refund, but we'll give you back every dollar you put in during the 90-day challenge if you don't believe God's blessed your life or that he will bless your life in an amazing way. If God doesn't do that, if you say, buddy, I don't th believe that. I believe you just need money at Salem Fields. Well, we do need you to be faithful, and God uses that. But I'm telling you, you can take your tithe anywhere you want to take it. Up to me, I don't care. All I care about is to know that God is going to meet your needs if you put him first. And we're giving you a challenge to do that. Watch this lady who took the challenge. We have Denise here today. We are on the side of the road because Buddy's car broke down. And you will not believe what has happened. We've connected with somebody that connected with us online. And Denise, tell us something about what goes on in Brooklyn in your life. Oh. The Lord is continuing to move through this church. I'm so happy to have been connected with Salem Field. My sister brought me in because of the 90-day challenge for tithing, and it just moved my spirit so much, and I've been so blessed that I had to find a place close to home where I can not only just tithe, but to share in the life and the work of the Lord personally, continuously, and on a regular basis. I'll be baptized on June 19th. Returning to work with that spirit on June 20th. I've had my hip replaced. I am walking, dancing, moving, doing my thing. And it's all because of the glory of the Lord. Yes. Oh, and I'm just so thankful, just so thankful to be a part of this community. We are family. Oh, all over the world. Come I've got everybody. Now, if you if you tithe, I want you to do this. 
all over the world. Now that is what you call a joy of giving. Right there, we saw it firsthand on the side of the road out at Lake Wilderness or somewhere out in that area. On the side of the road, a woman so joyful that God had blessed her because she took the challenge. And she got baptized last week because I got pictures to prove it if you want to see the pictures. Her sister's right over there was doing the groove. Stand up, Tamara. Yeah. Do that little, we all family. Yeah. <laughs> Am I lying? Is your sister blessed? She got baptized last Sunday. You were there, right? Yeah, there. Did y'all do that little dance? <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying to you folks, God is faithful. He is faithful. If you're online, you can, there's a place that you can click on and fill out that card too as well. Okay, the next financial principle is to be a person of integrity. In other words, don't lie. Be honest. Be honest in all your dealings. I'm not going to talk much about that. I'm going to drop down to not, the next one is the last and overriding principle is to trust God with your whole life. Trust God with your whole life. Now, Jesus said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, did you know that, sin, that worry is a sin? It is, it's a sin. You know, we want to point out what we call the big sins. But if you go to James chapter 5, yeah, James chapter 5, listed right in there along with those big sins, is worry. Worry is a sin, and anytime you worry, it's uh, God is reminding you that you're doubting his love and that you're not trusting God and you're not trusting his promises. And there's an area of your life that you've not committed to him. Psalms 111 says, he gives food to those who trust him, another promise, guaranteed promise. He never forgets his promises. If God loves you and I enough to send his own son, to die for us, that was our biggest need. Do you realize your biggest need in life was not finances? Your biggest need was in your life, and if you've never accepted Christ, is the fact that you're separated from him. And that if you don't know him personally, you're gonna go to hell. And you had a need, and God met your biggest need. And it, and it stands to reason if God would meet that need, wouldn't he meet all of your needs? You know, it just, and I say this every time, and I, it just comes to my head every time, is that it just, it just dumbfounds me that we would sit there with need in our life knowing that God has promised that he would pour out a blessing into our life, overflowing, it opened the floodgates of heaven. And, and for some reason, we don't believe that. That we just don't believe that. That but we yet we believe that there was this virgin, Mary, that was a teenage girl, a virgin, that the Holy Spirit impregnated her, and she had a baby, and that baby was born in a stable, and shepherds and wise men came to visit him, and he grew up in the, in the Lord, and, and he, he grew up, and when he was 30 years old, he went out and he started a ministry, and he walked the countryside. You know why he walked, don't you? Because he owned a Ford. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a while now. Anyway, he walked the countryside. He did miracles. I mean, he healed people, made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. And then he didn't sin. He didn't sin. He wasn't like you and I. And he died on the cross, and he shed his blood on Calvary's cross for us, for you and I. He died a cruel death along beside two thieves. 
And the Bible says that on the third day after he was dead, they put him in a tomb, and on the third day he rose from the dead, and you and I believe that far-fetched story. And we believe that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, and that when we die and leave this old earth, that we're going to heaven, a perfect place to spend eternity with Jesus. We believe that, but we don't believe that God will meet all of our needs. Tell me why we wouldn't believe that God would meet all of our needs if we believe that story, which I do with all my heart, and I believe it's true. And just as true as that is, God has promised to meet all of our needs if we will put him first in our life, if we will make him our lives. And you have to choose. If you're serious about rebuilding your finances, you'll have to choose and do what God has sent us to, to do. He's given us the promise, and we have to obey. And so the question is, will you trust God today with your whole life? If you're trusting God with your whole life, the first four principles are no-brainers. If you say, well, buddy, I trust God with my whole life, then if you trust God with your whole life, you're already asking him. You're praying daily, and you're asking God for your needs. And you're content. If God's got your whole life, you're content today. And you're giving in faith, and you wouldn't be dishonest with your finances for nothing in the world because you know that you've surrendered your whole life to God, and you're trusting him. And so it's a no-brainer. You didn't even need this message. You're just here because that's what you do when you're sold out to God. Here's what I know, and I've said it many, many times. God will not relent, folks. He will not relent until he has it all. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion upon the day of Christ Jesus. You know, the old folks, and I said last night, I'm one of the old folks now. They used to pray when I was a kid in church. They'd say, buddy, I'm praying the hound of heaven after you. And I'm thinking, oof, the hound of heaven. What's that mean? That they prayed God would chase me down until he got me, and he got me. And I hope he has all of me. And he wants all of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for those moments that we've had together this morning, Lord. I pray for my friends here today, Lord, and online. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh in you upon us, Lord. And I pray, God, that if you've shined your Holy Spirit, on an area of our life that's not committed to you, Lord. Lord, if you've shown us an area of our life where we're not following the principles that you've laid out for us, God, I pray today that you would give us the courage to stand up and step forward and surrender. I pray, Father, today that for those that do not know you, and maybe you're here today and you know that you realize today that that promise is only for believers and you know that you'd like for God to meet all of your needs. Well, it begins with a relationship with him and you can have a relationship with him today by simply acknowledging him and telling him that you believe in him and you receive him and you invite him in your life. You ask him to forgive you of your sins and you invite him into your life to be your savior. And you can do that right there today. You can invite him. You can just acknowledge to God today that you have sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the good news is through Christ Jesus we have eternal life. And so we acknowledge that we're sinners and ask God to forgive us and we invite him into our life. And we thank him for what he's done for us. And if you've done that today or if you do that today, we'd love to talk to you after the service out at the Welcome Center. 
So if you'd show up, we would love to uh, share some things with you there today. And if not, today, if you still have not surrendered your life and you'd like to come and pray this morning as we sing our final song together and you'd like to come up front and pray and surrender, you can do that. You can talk to God right there in your seat. You can talk to him right there online, sitting in your couch in your pajamas because God is everywhere and he's here this morning. So could we stand and worship together? God will not relent, folks, until he has it all. You know, I love this message. Buddy and I just want you all to be able to experience the joy that comes from trusting the Lord. I have had the most wonderful conversations during this last service with people about tithing and trusting God. And There's nothing more beautiful than someone that's willing to step into their fears and put God first and trust Him. And I can promise you as we do that, he will honor you. He will speak to you. And you know, a few weeks ago, we did a series on family. And we said, don't ever give up on your family. Don't ever give up. Don't relent. Because we need to show them we love them. And God is the exact same way with us. He's not going to give up on us. To keep drawing us to him and giving us opportunities to step into faith and trust with him. He won't relent because he loves us that much. So I don't know where you're at in all of that and with this message or whatever, but I know that now is the time to respond. It's our time when we come after we've heard the word and we've worshiped him to respond to what he's spoken to us about. And so wherever you're at, I would just encourage you just obey whatever he's asked you to do. Just obey. Just trust him a little bit more. And uh, you'll be amazed at what he does in your life. Let's sing together.